0: Happy is a word that is based on happenings, but joy is not based on circumstance. And this morning, to usher in our new year, I have asked a brother in the Lord to share what God has been doing in his life and in his family's life. Will you please welcome
1: our brother Joel? Good morning, everyone. Don't, don't, don't uh, look at my hand because it's going to be shaking. Uh, my name is Joel Mercado, and I would like to share with you our experience of God's faithfulness in our lives. Two years ago, I returned to the U.S. but had to leave my family back in Manila to set things up here before they would join me. For seven months, I went to a downward spiral of frustration, depression, loneliness and anxiety. I wrestled with God and myself. When I finally surrendered my situation to God, God answered my prayers. My family and I were reunited. God provided a job and he set up a place for us to call home. The only drawback, it was in Palm Desert, two hours away. We pressed on as a godly family striving hard to follow God's will. Although we traveled to Long Beach every other week to attend CCFLA services and did our ministries in between, My wife and I felt that there was an unsatisfied hunger for God Much like what Pastor Donnie said in one of his messages We wanted more We were alone in the desert And even if we attended church services in LA and our local church We didn't have accountability We didn't have anybody to encourage us but ourselves We were literally spiritually alone For months, we kept praying to God What it is that He wants us to do here in Palm Desert We kept asking Him, what is His will for us? As months flew by, it became obvious that the job was a lot more stressful than advertised. As a manager, I was getting blamed for everything that was being missed during my shift. I supervised 53 employees, cleaning 33 buildings, with some very specific requests and needs. In other words, I get yelled at if one light in one room is left on in one suite. If you might recall, I almost got fired because of the damage to the MRI machine, caused by one of my people under me. I really appreciated Jesus more than ever because I was getting crucified for the sins of everyone. Despite the stress of this job, I kept giving my 100% to God. I would always talk to my wife about how hard my day was and how much I wanted out of this job. She would tell me, put yourself out in the market and see if God has better something for you. He would close the door and open a window. So I did. I would tell my boss about my frustrations, and every time, he would promise me a promotion. So what I did, I delayed looking for another job. This cycle would go on for a few months. I get frustrated, I talk to my wife, she tells me the same thing, I talk to my boss, and I get promised a promotion. Over and over. All this time, God was giving me hints which I was ignoring. He was talking to me through other godly people, through my quiet time, and through circumstances. To name a few... Sister Lynette, out of the blue, almost every other week, she would mention that she was praying for our schedule so that we could be here in CCFLA every week. My mother-in-law, in her brief visit with us, kept saying that my job is not good for the kids because they stay up late waiting for me. I also received phone calls from companies that applied for last year asking for my services, and lastly, the constant reminder from my wife to put myself out in the job market again. On October 2012, I finally got down on my knees, prayed and challenged God. I said, Lord, can you give me an answer in six months? If I don't get promoted, I will resign in six months. And I didn't stop there. I continued praying and asking every day. True enough, the Lord made his move. Just last month, several cases of juice ended up missing in one of the buildings we were cleaning. Investigation showed that two of my housekeepers were taking juice out of the fridge. Unfortunately, Because of my command responsibility and the past incident of the MRI machine, they decided to let me go. They told me that the account was their priority, and if the hospital deemed I was not doing my job, it was best the company part ways with me as well. This was truly heartbreaking, but in the middle of it all, I found peace. We took refuge in God's promise in Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord will be with you wherever you go. Immediately after I was informed about my termination, I emailed the company I used to work for. I was hesitant to send the email because it was I who turned them down last year. It also was during the Christmas break, so I didn't expect any answer until after the holidays. But God was one step ahead in me. While I was worrying about my today, He was already there in our tomorrow preparing the way. And I unexpectedly received an email from the hiring manager and an appointment was set up only two days after I sent my email. He said my timing could be more perfect because they needed people badly. Surprisingly, in all this chaos of determination, having to relocate back in Long Beach, trying to settle back into a new and better job, my family and I only had gratitude in our hearts. We were confident that God would continue to provide for us. His faithfulness has been constant in our life in the past year, and we knew God would never change. We continue to pray direction and discernment, but we're excited about the move back because this means that we can now attend Sunday service every week and return to accountability in a D group. Yay! In everything that has happened to us in 2012, we, are confidently, we can confidently say that we are learning to seek to remain in His presence, to seek His will in everything that is happening in our lives, but more importantly, to give thanks to Him in everything that has happened, both good and bad. Because now I know that He truly speaks to us. We have only to learn how to listen. Our greatest testimony to the company that I have just left and to our family and friends who have been witnesses to our journey is that through everything we remain gentle in our words and in our attitude. There were anxious even times that we were solely tempted to be and in everything we we only uttered thanks to the great Father who has been so gracious to us. To God be the glory.
0: Happy New Year. If you ask, God will answer. You just don't know how He will answer. If you are like me, we have a mindset that if we ask God something, we already know. Because we are telling God, this is how you should answer it. Then when the answer comes, we struggle. Sometimes we rebel against God. God, this is what I was asking, and this is how you should have answered. So what do you do? You put God in a box. God, we want accountability. God, we want to be with our fellow CCF family. So what does God do? Alright? I cause you to lose your job. I'll allow something. But, as Joel said, and I was when I was reading his uh, testimony, I said, wow! Even if they were concerned about their today, God was looking out already for their tomorrow. Can you praise God? Let's give God the glory. <laughs> Happy New Year, indeed. Happy New Year, indeed. If God is with you, there's nothing to fear. Amen. But let me ask you: It's the seventh of January. Let me ask you two simple questions. Can you read that? How many of you have already made New Year's resolutions? Yeah. No. Some of you. Why, why did you stop? You don't want to grow anymore. Second question is simply this. How many of us have already failed in our New Year's resolutions? I'm going to be more loving to my wife and you're just writing it down and she comes in the room and boom! You quarrel. (laughs) Have you encountered those kinds that you're just writing them out and you failed them already? Well, I have good news for you this morning. I've entitled our message this morning, The Solution to Your Resolution. The Solution to Your Resolution. And in honor and respect of God's Word, may I ask all of us to stand as we read our short passage this morning. Philippians chapter 3. Can we read this? Brethren, Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is the same yesterday, today and forever. It is reliable, it is defendable and it does not change. Thank you Lord for the life and testimony of Joel and his family Lord. Even if you brought them through the desert, you brought them back Lord. And you've been preparing their tomorrow since eternity past. Thank you for the attitude, the attitude of gratitude that you've been giving to them. Thank you, Lord, that when you open the door, they walk through it without hesitation. I pray for myself, Lord God, that you will sustain me and that your people will hear the word and the message that you've been pressed upon my heart. For your glory and in your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. And be seated. This is actually my bedroom voice. But we don't have a bedroom, so this is my normal question. I'm just kidding. So the solution to your resolution. The solution to your resolution, it must first begin with a proper view of yourself and of God. It begins with a proper view of yourself and of God. Look at what Paul wrote. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it, Paul is the author of majority of the New Testament. He was evangelized, no less, by the Lord Jesus Christ on his way to Damascus. He's evangelized so many people. He's discipled so many people. Yet look at his attitude. I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. Can you say that you have arrived? Did everything, succeed in everything that you have made it? Paul is humble enough to say that he has not obtained it yet. But look at his resume. Look at his resume in Philippians 3. Though I myself may have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. Circumcised on the eighth day. We've discussed this in our midweek Bible studies, right? It was commanded by God as a sign between Him and His chosen people, Israel, that every male in the household must be circumcised when? On the eighth day. He says he's of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. I know Benjamin. What's the big deal? Benjamin was the favorite. Hebrew of Hebrews. What does that mean? His mother was a Hebrew. His father was a Hebrew. He wasn't a half-breed. Red, blue blood, American. A Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee spiritual leader. As a Pharisee, you have to memorize the first five books. Have you and I memorized Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and the dreaded book of Numbers, and Deuteronomy? Have we even memorized 20 verses? 50 verses? As to the law, a Pharisee. What else? as to seal a persecutor of the church. He was on his way to Damascus armed with a blank letter. I can do anything to persecute the church of Christ. I'll put them to jail, separate them from their families because they're going against our traditional religion. And he says, as far as the law is concerned, he is blameless. Can your resume match, compare, better the resume of Paul? If your answer is no, you're in good company. Even Paul says, I haven't made it. I have not obtained it yet. Whatever Paul was able to do, and what you and I are able to do, we must have a sober view a proper view of ourself and of God why he writes whatever things were gained to me those things I have counted what as loss as rubbish as trash comparing what comparing it to Christ it's nothing whatever you do for the Lord is nothing God is more concerned not about what we do but who we are. That's why character development is more important than ministry work. Joel, God was concerned with what he was doing. But he was more concerned about his Christian walk. His hunger for discipleship and accountability. So what did God do? God moved. You see, Paul also writes in Romans... For through the grace given to me, I say, every man among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but you think so as to have, what? Sound judgment that God has allotted him, allotted to each a measure of faith. Who you are and who you are in God. You see, John 15 tells us what? I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. And the last line, what does it say? Apart from me, you can do nothing. So is God a part of your resolution? Or do your resolutions just contain things that you can personally achieve? Or do you have written down there, what you can only achieve with God. A proper view of who you are and who God is to you. It begins with a proper view of yourself and of God. Secondly, we need a proper view of your goal. You, need, you and I need a proper view of your goal. Jeremiah Oh, sorry. Proverbs 29.18 says, Without vision, what? The people perish. You and I need a goal. You and I need a target. You and I need to fix our eyes on something so that we move towards that goal. If you don't have a goal, you just wander around. Now, how many of you watch races? Olympic races, 100 meter, 200, 400 meter dash. So the runner is... His eye is on the goal. And he's tuning his ears. He's trying to beat the gun. And then when the gun goes... Does he run like that? Or he runs... Does he do that? He doesn't do that. His eye is focused on the goal. And he exerts everything that he has towards that goal. So if you don't have a goal, brother and sister, you're going to expend all of your energy in something that will not have a return for you spiritually. Look at what Paul writes. He says, one thing I do. Now, how many of us here can do everything? You can do everything? Good. I'm in good company. How many of us can do one thing? Raise your hand. At least one thing. You you cannot do one thing? Oh, okay. Just one thing. So one thing we can do, one thing we can really be good at, right? And look at Paul. One thing. One thing he does. So it's very simple resolution enough if you have one goal, right? Our goal, our price, according to verse 14, is the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, one thing I do. Let me show you or tell you about this person. This person tried 2,000 experiments. As each one failed, he would throw it out until, out the window until the pile reached the second story of his house. He kept at it. His teacher said, He's too stupid to do anything. On October 21, 1879, 13 long months of repeated failure. He would try, won't work, throw it out. Try, won't work, throw it out. Until everything reached the second story of his house. Finally, success. Who is he? Thomas Alva Edison. He kept at it. He kept at it. He kept at it. He did not give up. One thing, one thing, One thing. And what is that one thing that Paul is asking us to do? One thing I do, I press on toward the goal, the prize of the upward call of God. And what is that upward call of God? May I suggest to all of us. Whether then, can we read this? Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for what? The glory of God. What was the message last Sunday? The glory of God in 2013. So if you have only one goal, and that goal is to glorify God, will God be glorified? Will God honor that resolution, that commitment, that resolve? Why should you attend church? For the glory of God. I'll step on a few toes. Why should you attend church early? For the glory of God. Why should you read your Bible? For the glory of God. Why should you attend your midweek Bible meeting? Answer? Husbands, why would you like to unconditionally love your unsubmissive and disrespectful wife? Answer. Wives, why would you submit and respect your unloving husband? Employees, why would you like to obey? Quote-unquote, a stupid boss. Why, parents? Why should you not embitter your children? Uh, there's like it's waning. Why, children? Why should you continue to honor and obey your unreasonable parents? Why? you have only one goal. And your goal is to do everything for the glory of God. I'm telling you, we will revolutionize this church. And we will have an impact on our society and on our country. We have so many things on our plate. But why not do anything and everything for the glory of God? If you're in school, be the kind of student that glorifies God. Do anything and everything, what? For the glory of God. Paul didn't care how he's going to do it. Paul was in jail. And while he was in jail, there were people who were gossiping. That's good for Paul. It's good that he's in jail. Bebooting up. But look at his attitude because Paul had one thing to bring glory and honor to God. Look at what he said in Philippians. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, what? Christ is proclaimed. In this I rejoice. I don't care for so long as God gets the glory. I don't care what you say about me. I don't care if you ridicule me. I don't care if you lie about me. For so long as Christ is proclaimed. For so long as my life brings glory to God. One. Can we do one thing? Yes? You are not convinced. Can you and I do one thing? I don't feel you're still convinced. Can you and I do one thing? Yeah. Praise God. We can do one thing. And what is that thing that we should do? Bring glory to God. Amen? Now, we have a proper view of ourselves and of God. We should have a proper view of our goal. But how to get from point A? To point B, we need what? We need a proper strategy. Alright? So, here's the strategy. Number one, learn from the past. Learn from the past. Kids, I don't know if your parents have ever told you something, it goes something like this. You know, during our time, and usually, what do the kids say? It's no longer your time. The at and verse commercial, time and time again. Oh, you never had it so good. When we wanted to watch the TV, we should have to go to Dad's room, and we would have to do then it. Then he just brings the wireless outside. Oh, you never had it so good. Don't live in the past. Learn. From the past. The past is the past. And if you and I don't learn from the past, all the aches and the pains will be for nothing. Learn from the past. Look at what Paul says. Forgetting what lies behind. Oh, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. You just said learn from the past. Why is Pauling us? Why is Paul telling us forget the past? Well, you know, the use of the word forget in the Bible is different. To no longer be influenced by or affected by the past. Or to break the power of the past by living for the future. Do you have a better understanding of what Paul is saying, forgetting what lies behind? Now, many of us, we read our Bibles. But there are so many things written in the Old Testament. And I'm basically surprised why some people would say we don't need to read the Old Testament because we are New Testament believers. Well, Paul wrote in Romans 15 verse 4, whatever was written in earlier times was written for what? For our instruction. So that through perseverance and encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. Friends, brothers and sisters, the past is the past. You cannot take two steps backward to take one step forward. The past is the past. Let's learn from it so that we don't commit the same mistakes. If we commit the same mistakes, we are not learning from the past. Worse, we might get stuck in the past. So for us to have a proper strategy, we have to learn from the past. Secondly, we have to live in the present. Maybe if you have wallets there, you still have the Japanese paper money. You still have it? I hope not. Oh, man. That's no longer in circulation. That's no longer legal tender. See? Learn from the past. Live in the present. Maybe, you know, you're depriving yourself now. Okay? So, children cannot have cell phones, no car, uh, no movies, no eating out. Why? Because we're saving for the future. Hello? But there's a balance, okay? There's a balance. Oh, we're not going to eat today. Why? We might not have food on Sunday. Hello? Live in the present. What does Paul say about that? He says, reaching forward to what lies ahead. Forget the past, Learn from it. But keep on reaching. It's the present tense. Keep on reaching forward to what lies ahead. What if Joel said, Okay, God, I want a new job. I'll put myself out in the market. Because I want you know, a move so that I can spend more time at church, more time with my discipleship group, and grow more in the Lord. And then, exactly what happened. He gets fired for something that is not his fault. Then he gets a job offer. And instead of taking the job offer, God, give me a way out. What did God just do? He already gave him a way out. So what should you do? Take it. That's the old song, right? When God closes a door. What? No, please, don't jump out of the window, okay? You have to go through whatever God opens up for you. Like the Old Testament Israelites, they kept on praying. They have been seeing the presence of God going with them day in and day out. Finally, God shows them. So what do they do? Then the Lord said to Moses, "Why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to what? Go forward." God, I need a new job. AD group, can you pray? I need a job. Oh, have you uh, prepared your resume? Oh, I'm praying about it. I send you a link. There's so many job openings. Have you sent them? I'm praying about it. Hey, I'm having lunch with this guy. He's a headhunter. You know, he didn't chop off heads. Okay, He looks for people, you know, for work. You want to meet with him and have lunch and, you know, talk to him? I'm praying about it. What will happen to you? Maybe God will tell you this. Stop crying out to me. Get moving. Stop crying. Go do it. What is this picture of? Oh bilis nya. I thought you were going to say pinya because it looked like a pineapple. <coughs> Excuse me. It's a turtle. Why am I showing you this picture? To go forward, the turtle must need to stick its neck out. Have you seen a turtle shell (laughs) moving? No. But when the turtle sticks its neck out, becomes vulnerable. When he brings his head and his legs in, it's a defensive, protective position. But when he sticks his neck out, That's the only chance that he can move forward. But there's a risk. I'm praying about it, Pastor. Don't live in the past. Learn from it. But live in the present. Don't let your past weigh you down. Look at this guy. Failed business at 22. Lost in the legislature at 23. Failed in business again in 24. His sweetheart died at age 26. He, he, he had a broke, breakdown in 27. Political defeat in 29. At the age of 31, political defeat. He, defeat. he was defeated in Congress at the age of 34. He was defeated again in Congress at 39. He had Senate defeat in, at the age of 46. He had a vice presidential bid which he lost at the age of 47. He had another su- Senate defeat at age 49. And he became President of the U.S. at age 51. What if he said, I'm praying about it. What if he said, never mind. I've made too many mistakes. If he said that, I submit to all of us. Slavery will still be in existence in the United States. African Americans would not be called African Americans they will still be properties of people. But because this guy did not live in the past, he was living in the present with a goal for the future, he risked everything. And when that bill passed, when the emancipation of slaves was passed, what did he give up? His life. He was assassinated. But he didn't give up. He kept on living for the present with his future in mind. Learn from the past. Live in the present. But look forward to your heavenly reward. Paul tells us, I press on. Toward the goal. For the prize. Which is what? The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Whatever it is. Whether in food or in drink. Do all for the glory of God. That was his sole ambition. And he was willing to do anything and everything. To bring glory to God. He tells us, can we read this? Therefore, also, can we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent? Is that your ambition? Is that your goal in life? To make God smile, to be pleasing to God? Or do you have so many ambitions? You know, I want to buy an eight room house, a uh, Nissan GTR, which they used to call Skyline, in my garage. I have a limousine and a driver. That's my ambition. To have as much money as I can. To have as many houses as I can. So that people get to know me. Or could it be that your ambition is just simply to make God smile? He says, Therefore also we have our ambition, whether at home or absent, what? To be pleasing to Him. Why? Look at verse 10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may be recompensed for the deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now for the Christian, for the believer in Christ, this is not a judgment as to salvation. This is a judgment as to reward. To those who are not in Christ, there is a worse judgment. Because those who depart from this life into the next who do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ are already condemned because of their sin. But for us believers we can apply this to our lives. I'm going to meet God face to face and He's going to reward me for what I have done in this life. Both the good and the not so good. So you and I have a choice. We can enter heaven with a whimper. Oh, you're here. Or, you, can, I, you and I can enter heaven with a bang. How does that bang take place? Look at Paul's desire. Towards the end of his life, he writes, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. So what? In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will what? A word to me. Not only to Paul. And not only to me, but also to all who love His appearing. Do you want to enter heaven with a bang or with a whimper? You want to enter heaven by the skin of your teeth? First Corinthians tells us that you yourself will be saved but your work will undergo a testing of fire and whatever survives that you can bring with you in heaven. But if your work here on earth burns up, you yourself will be saved but only as one escaping the flames. I heard this on the radio just this week. Some people come to Christ as a fire extinguisher. They just don't want to go to hell. So they accept Jesus Christ. I say, because they don't want to go to hell. Here Paul says, I'm straining towards the prize because in the future, in the future, I have rewards. And I'm aiming for that reward See, rewards are not bad. It's the motivation that may be questionable. But God is not against reward. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews He says, Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is. And that He is what? A rewarder. He is a rewarder. So don't convince yourself, don't let yourself fall into this false sense of humility and say, No, I'm not after the prize. I'm not after the reward. Then friend, that is not in the character of God. Because God wants to reward you. God wants to bless you. But His reward comes as you search, as you pursue Him and not the reward. He is the biggest reward that you and I can ever have. You see the false teaching that was touched by Pastor Reggie last week? We think that we are looking for the blessing so that we can be intimate. When in fact, it is intimacy with God that is the blessing. That we lose sight of that. So I want to be blessed, I want to be blessed so I can be intimate. Man, if you're intimate with God, and God continues to reveal Himself to you, man, you're so blessed. You'll be able to receive and acknowledge anything and everything that happens to you. God, thank you. God, thank you that I got fired. Huh? Huh? Because if I didn't get fired, I would not be able to come back to Long Beach. I would not be able to be at service every Sunday. I would not be able to join the midweek group and have accountability. So, what if you get fired? Because, why? You're living in the present, but you're looking toward your heavenly reward. Am I getting through? Your reward is not here. Life here on this earth, as a Christian, is not only difficult, it is impossible. But the reward, the benefits, are out of this world. Yes? Where will your reward be? Up there. That's why God tells us, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy, lay up for yourself treasure in heaven, but what we do do? what do we do, Lord can I take an advance? and that's in the future? look at the attitude of Paul at the end of his life he says. I've done everything, my life is poured out, it's like a rag that you know, you twist it and nothing else drops off of it. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness that the righteous judge himself will award to me and not only to me, everyone who has long disappeared. Start hard, brothers and sisters. Have the goal. The single-mindedness of bringing glory and honor to God no matter what. Proper view of yourself and of God. Proper view of your goal with a proper strategy to learn from the past, live in the present, look forward to your heavenly reward. Is that good enough for you to sit down and write out your resolution? Yes? Then I'd like to seal the deal, so to speak, with a commitment. And the way we're going to do it this morning is the first Sunday of the month. And I'm going to ask the designated people there in the back to bring out the elements And while they're doing this, in our stillness, wherever you are in this room, why didn't you take these quiet moments now and just talk to God and allow God to talk to you? Is there any area in your life that does that bring glory to God? Then resolve. Make a commitment. Lord, I'm going to do something about it. Okay guys, you can bring the elements in already. If there's something that weighs you down from your past and it's paralyzed you, talk to God about it. If you have you too many goals and God is not part of your goal? Talk to God about it. Tell God. Do something. Don't just keep on praying about it. Do something about it. Talk to God. Let God talk to you. No one is perfect. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. Could be a relationship. Could be a business practice. Could be your life at home. Could be your personal devotions. So many things it could be. But that's between you and God. I only encourage you to speak to God about it. Let Him speak to you in return. And when He does speak, listen and obey. We're passing out the juice in the bread and nothing magical happens to the juice in the bread. They are mere symbols of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing happens to them, nothing changes. This this does not add or take away anything from your salvation. We do this in obedience to the Lord. Writes in Luke 22:17 to 20 And when he had taken a cup and giving thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves, for I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way he took the cup after they had eaten saying this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. You can make a covenant with Jesus Christ right now. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus you can establish a covenant right now simply by acknowledging your sin acknowledging that Jesus is the only way to heaven and you're willing to accept Him as your Lord and Savior take God as His word it says if anyone calls upon the name of the Lord he will be saved if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised Him from the dead you will be saved perhaps you've been in the Lord for some time already And you're struggling with some things in your life. And tell the Lord you need His help. You want to change. You want to be a better Christian. If you're not willing. Then the Bible is telling us. You're taking the body and blood of Jesus for granted. And you're wasting His sacrifice. So wherever you are in this room, between you and the Lord, let's take the bread and we will partake together in a while. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, in our hands we hold the bread, which is a symbol of your body. Your body, Lord, upon which you took and bore all of our sin. Thank You, Lord Jesus, for becoming man. Thank You, Lord Jesus, for taking all of our sin upon Your body and going to that cross. We remember You, Lord Jesus, and we thank You and we rejoice that all of our sins have been forgiven. Let's partake together. Taking the cup of the juice, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we look upon this juice and we are reminded of the blood that you poured out for us. Establishing the new covenant in your blood. For your word says, Lord God, that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Nothing that we can do, nothing that we can do even for you, Lord, will be enough to have our sins forgiven. It is only your blood, your life blood that was shed for us that gives us forgiveness of sin and promises us eternal life. Teach us, Lord, to hate sin as we remind ourselves that it took your body and your precious blood for the forgiveness of all of our sins and assures us our place with you in heaven. Thank you, Lord Jesus being obedient to the Father, even to the point of death. In your name we pray all of these things. Amen. Let's partake of the juice. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've given us your message. That we strive only to live our lives with one solitary purpose. To bring glory and honor to you, Lord. That we will share the gospel. We will attend church. We will read your Bible. We will spend time in discipleship. We will give to your work All for your glory. Lord, we don't look to the price. The material things that you also allow. We look for You, Lord God. And every day, Lord, we want more and more and more of You in our lives. Thank You, Lord God, for Your presence. And Lord, may each one of us here listen and apply what Moses told you. If you are not going to go with us. Then we are not going to leave this place. May your presence, Lord God, be with us always. May we strive. May we make it our ambition, Lord God, to please you, to be pleasing to you in all aspects of our Christian life. Both our private and public life, Lord God. And as Paul wrote, may it be our life's purpose that in whatever we do, whether in food or in drink, that we will do all for the glory of God. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Can we give God the glory this morning? We just have some very important uh, housekeeping or church business we need to set aside. I'd like to call Pastor Reggie. And as he comes up, I'd like to remind you that our offering box is here in front. All of your giving goes to the work of the ministry. And all the Bible studies are resuming this week. So, Pastor Reggie.
1: Morning. Oops. Good morning. Are you guys blessed? Okay. So, we would like to request all the North people, Burbank Bible Study Group, and everybody that lives Pasadena upwards. We're going to have a ten-minute meeting right after church. Okay. Who are you here from? Are from the North? That's, that's uh, Pasadena, Burbank, Panorama City, San Francisco, Canada. Okay, please stay right after church. We're going to have a 10-minute meeting. Thank you.